You're listening to a curated podcast from the Beyond Infinity radio program broadcast live on Tuesdays from 11am from our Mornington studios in Victoria, Australia. Presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. Let's get stuck into our science and tech news for the week. If you're a bit of a space buff as I am, and I think John is a little bit, he's kind of been uh, brought into the whole thing by me. <laughs> I'm always really excited about any new lander going to Mars because I just find it exciting to think about what they're going to find. You know, this land, it, it's going to land in a completely new place. Mm-hmm. No one's ever been there before. They've got satellite images, which are pretty high res these days, but it's not the same as actually being on the surface of and a planet. digging below a little and, bit. And yeah. Exactly. Well, as, 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 as we're about to find out, the the InSight lander, it was delayed because of some uh, last-minute instrument issues that they discovered preparing to launch it. This is a while ago, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those missions, unfortunately, a bit like the James Webb Space Telescope, which has been around for ages, mm-hmm. like it's been fully built, but they keep discovering little niggling technical issues which are causing delays. And I think in the case of James Webb, it's been delayed till 2020, which is really disappointing. That's the next-generation space telescope. That's like the following Hubble, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. That's the one that's going to give us the really, really deep, deep views of and, and high-res information about objects in the distant universe going back in time, 13.8 billion years, almost looking back right to the time of the Big Bang, mm-hmm. potentially. But also things like TESS, the spacecraft that was launched, we covered it last week on the, on the program. It's on its way to a, a lunar resonant orbit, kind of unusual orbit for TESS. It's going to look for exoplanets, so planets beyond our solar system. But what we really need is the James Webb Telescope to actually look in more detail mm-hmm. at the findings of TESS. So Tess identifies the, the suspects, markers, yep. yep, the markers, and then you need James Webb to uh, to give us that follow-up in detailed information. So the uh, InSight mission's been delayed as well. At least it's going and it's being launched on May the 5th, so coming up very soon. And how <laughs> long get, will be the, the, the tra- transit six, time? Take six months to get there. Yep. That's about the average time to get there. So expect a landing, so I think, in, later in the year, about November. November. It's got some really good instruments. And, and as you mentioned before, it's going to study the interior of Mars, which there's not too much known about Mm -hmm. they want to characterize what the core of the planet is like why it has very little magnetic field Mm -hmm. whether there are things like mars quakes that happen there and they'll do this by actually having some instruments that drill down into the surface one in particular is going to drill down it's got a heat flow probe and uh, it's going to tell us a lot more about the interior of Mars that we don't know at the moment. There's different instruments. One is a seismometer to look for vibrations caused by internal activity of Mars to illuminate the properties of the crust, mantle and core. Another one's going to take Mars temperature, which is a heat probe, to reveal how much heat is flowing out of the deep interior of the planet. Another called RISE is a radio science instrument. It'll measure the wobble of Mars North Pole as the Sun pushes and pulls it in its orbit, providing clues on the size and composition of Mars' metallic core. As the area that it's to be landed in, has it been sort of examined as an area of high interest or is it just a, an alternate location to where we've been before? I think that with all of these landers, they try to go somewhere new. There's always some temptation, I guess, to go to places they've been to because they might, there might be something that they've picked up. For example, in Gusev Crater, the Spirit Rover, which is now defunct, no longer functioning, but it found some very interesting pure silicon possibly the signs of ancient hot springs. Mm-hmm. And that's a place that you might look for microbes or the signs of mm-hmm. you know, microbes if you had the right kind of instruments to look for it because that's an area where we knew there was hot springs, so you've got the right conditions of sure. water. 
generally they try to go somewhere new. Yeah. You know, there's always a bit okay. of conflict about a bit of a debate. It's going to be launched from the Vandenberg Air Force Base. Now, this is unusual. Normally, deep space probes are launched from Florida, from the Kennedy Space Station or Cape Canaveral. But uh, this is being launched from California, and its landing site is Elysium Planitia on Mars. The date for the landing is scheduled for November the 26th this year, 2018. The mission is expected to last for a little over one Martian year, which is about the equivalent of two Earth years, 708 Mars days, or sols as they're called, or 728 Earth days. Uh, this is a solar-powered lander. It's not a rover. It's going to land and stay in the place where it lands. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, it's got those instruments to study the interior core of the planet. So interesting one there. Now, if you're interested in NASA spacecraft or Mars landers and the like, you might be interested to download a new app for your phone. And fortunately, it's not available for iOS devices, only on the Google Play Store at this stage. But it's an, it takes advantage of AR, augmented reality. That's right. And you were just showing me on your phone because you're on a you're on Look a at Pixel. the Pixel 2, which yep. has got the AR core in it. So yep. it's only going to work on the newer models of devices. You right. have to have that AR core capability. Yep. Uh, some older devices may be able to use this app, uh, but it would be very glitchy. So it is sort of looking sort of 2017 and above uh, for the, the, the Android devices. Okay. Now, there was an app that you may be running, and that was for all devices, iOS and Android devices, called Spacecraft 3D. And that allowed you to look and kind of rotate around and, and drill into the instruments and stuff on board certain spacecraft. It's very similar to that, but they've added the AR component to And so what this the app, app does, because I've actually now used it a few times, mm. it allows you to uh, identify a horizontal uh, surface and then you select which rover that you would like to place in the augmented reality in that area. So here in the studio, I was just showing you before, I found it on the ground and then I dropped in one of the rovers and from that we could increase or decrease the size. I could actually take photos and I can move around it and then zoom in. So you get a better idea of what components are on there Mm. and sort of a close-up augmented reality look at it. I think it even was moving so you could actually see the The arm arm moving around and stuff. From the rover deck, the spacecraft that are included with this app are the Curiosity Mars rover, as you mentioned, Juno, the orbiter that's studying Jupiter, uh, the Cassini orbiter out at Saturn, which has uh, actually been deliberately crashed late last year, crashed into the atmosphere, so that's no longer operational, but the spacecraft information is there, and Voyager launched back in the 1970s and still going strong, uh, nuclear-powered spacecraft right out beyond the solar system. So. It's an interesting spacecraft to, to look at. What I might do is I'll try and take a photo in the studio with this and put it up on the Facebook page. So if, you, if any listeners want to see what this is like, then they can just log on to uh, beyondinfinity.com.au and then you'll find our Facebook page from there to see it. Okay, perfect. And if you're interested, the app is called Spacecraft AR and that's available for free on the Google Play Store. Now, still on the subject of space, there is a thing called SpaceNet that is a great repository of free imagery to lower the barrier to entry for developers and startups to access high-quality geospatial data. So one of the reasons why this has become popular is that a lot of information is being gathered by satellites and we're talking really high-res information which normally would be quite expensive to buy. So we're talking multi-spectral information down to half a metre resolution taken mm. by satellites. Normally this is the sort of stuff that you'd buy for a specific purpose. So if you're a, you, know, you want to study crop viability in northern Queensland, for example, then you might pay for some multi-spectral imagery to, mm-hmm. to kind of give you some information that's useful for looking at crops. A lot of this information is being held by big companies over in the States and elsewhere, 
they've got so much data, they're now going out to the development community Mm -hmm. and saying to them, we'll give you the data, but we want you to develop apps and algorithms to process the data, often using AI, to save us the job of doing that so that we can actually get meaningful use out of this Mm -hmm. information. Because the whole thing about data is that it's it's useless unless you can actually do something with it. And this is known as actionable intelligence. And it's probably the precursor to machine learning. So if a a real user can identify a certain area or, or what's happening uh, that can be then fed in for the machine to then identify and understand well this is this scenario and then continue to analyze that data from there from going forward so there's national security purposes that this data is used for there's also humanitarian crisis response so like natural disasters floods and the like hurricanes ensuring the accuracy of maps used by self-driving cars Mm -hmm. another increasing application predicting earthquakes or even preventing genocide Mm. so unfortunately the world needs a bit of a cop in a way and this information is there one of the hopes of the people organizing you know behind spacenet is that we're enabling nations to act on the basis of facts not fear this is according to walter scott who's the chief technology officer of maxar technologies and founder of digital globe it's about shining a light on atrocities, making it harder for governments to harm their own people or helping with vaccine deliveries. Most people don't appreciate just how badly mapped most of the world is. He goes on to say, we want to see more apps developed. It's in everybody's interest to make data available. So that's what they're doing. Yeah. If you want to see this for yourself, go to spacenetexplore.digitalglobe.com forward slash spacenet to find out more. We will post links on the show notes as well. Just finally from me in tech news before I pass it over to John, this is pretty weird, but basically scientists have been able to keep severed pigs' brains alive basically they've gone to an abattoir they've been able to get hold of pigs heads they've been able to use a special kind of oxygenated fluid to keep those brains from actually completely dying mm-hmm. they insist that from a humanitarian or from a sort of um, ethical ethical yeah. ethical point of view that they're saying that there's absolutely no way these pigs have maintained awareness mm-hmm. or even really brain function mm-hmm. they've been able to keep the brain sort of alive in a, in a very basic way not yeah. in a way yep. that is keeping the consciousness of so the pig like going. A, it provides a low em response or something like that what the real benefit is, is to probe how the brain works and aid studies into experimental treatments for diseases range from cancer to dementia. Mm-hmm. So it's all about understanding how a brain functions mm-hmm. and you want the brain to be, for some kinds of research, it's useful if the brain is oxygenated and still yeah. functioning on certain levels. Now, they em- emphasize that it, it is so unlikely, if not impossible, this would ever apply to a human mm-hmm. brain. So if you're thinking that suddenly they're going to be doing body transplants, removing your brain from your head on your deathbed and reattaching it to a, a donor body Mm -hmm. so that you can become immortal forget it it's not going to happen the researchers are pretty adamant about that but uh, as i said it is very useful for studying how brains work you know learning more about uh, potentially about the human brain and how it works as well john what have you got for us if you ever bought a domain name, you realise that there's a lot of uh, opportunity in doing so. In the early 90s, there it's were people... It's called cyber squatting? It can be. So mm. you might buy a domain name which you choose to hold on to until the business that rightfully owns that or you know would choose to use that uh, comes to you and knocks on your door and says, we'll give you X amount, you know, $50,000 or half a million, whatever the number is, I'll give you that money to give me this domain name. On the one hand, yes, there's cyber squatting, 
but on the other, there's people that have jumped aboard really good names in order to build a business around it because mm. they understand it's got recognition straight away and therefore mm. they can build a platform around that. Mm. Now, back in the early 90s, a man by the name of Jean Noel Friedman, he was from France, he bought the domain name france.com and he bought that through the service web.com. Okay. Now, he'd built up a digital kiosk with a number of resources and was actually trading using that name. It was a business and it was it was very popular. For over 20 years, he was able to even collaborate with official French agencies, including the Consulate General in Los Angeles and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So it wasn't a squatting scenario. It was mm. actually a, a used... A business, yeah. A business. Mm. However, France came in and they basically said that it the was... The French government. French government mm. came in and said that it was violating a French a trademark law and took them to the courts and basically said we want this back it's been going back and forth a little bit but what has happened on march 12th of this year 2018 web.com has abruptly transferred the ownership of the domain to the french ministry of foreign affairs Hmm. now they uh, did so without any formal notification to friedman and no compensation Uh, obviously this will probably continue through the courts end up out there Uh, the claim is that uh, it is violating a trademark and therefore it's probably on france's side yep Uh, however this guy did build a business around this so i guess it's a it's also a word of warning to anyone that it might be cyber squatting on a name that they think just because they've bought it they own it be very careful if it does violate a trademark it can certainly be taken away from you and it's always a brave person who sues the government it is yes very much mm. now apple will start paying 21 billion dollars that's us dollars in, wow. in back taxes to ireland mm. so one of the loopholes that uh, apple has in order to save taxes particularly mm. in the us or not pay any is or not pay any at all is actually to set up their office in Ireland because it has uh, very generous tax incentives. Mm. However, you, can be, you can be simultaneously on some, a tax haven island like the Caymans as well as in Ireland. They, it they, allows for sort of simultaneous business location. And they shuffle their money around. So the mm. trade might be in the States, for example, mm. but, uh, but their office is in Ireland mm. and therefore they're able to shuffle digital transfers all around and therefore avoid lots and of And over the years, Apple has wound up accumulating, I think it's 150 plus US billion in cash. Yeah. Just in reserves, just sort of in their pocket. So there was a, a judgment back in 2016, and essentially now they've come in and said that they're about to start paying that. So it's a bit of a payday for Ireland, and mm. they'll collect the penalty. It's still a chance that they might not pay the full amount, mm. but that basically it's it, it's happening. So it, this would be a good thing for Ireland to have, you know, 21 billion dollars coming you know, their good, way. Good hit, and also I think that what's also happening is that the Trump government in Washington has changed the rules. I think they've actually mimicked, they've basically said, okay, to discourage companies or encourage companies like Apple to take their money back into the US economy and US banks, they've sort of said, okay, we'll match the same deal you were getting from countries like Ireland. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing that Apple's in the process of doing is actually transferring a lot of money from overseas back into the United States. And we've heard quite a bit in the last 24 hours about a festival called Grooven in the Moo. And this is where some pills were tested, these Mm. uh, ecstasy tablets, Mm. which um, some festival goers were taking at the festival. Mm. Uh, But the problem has been over the many years is that obviously because these are uh, illegal, Mm. they're produced in a way that that, that there's no control over these Mm. drugs. Mm. And so potentially anything can be in them. And what we've seen or heard over the years is unfortunately people have become very, very ill or in some cases have have died and that's because yep. of dirty drugs yep. uh, other chemicals that are added to this yep. now w- what was set up at this festival was a pill testing area and it does appear to have um, been a, a great success just some sort of stats from the the festival itself 
So there were over 100 pills that were brought in. Mm. Uh, including a dangerous drug called ethylpentalone or ethylone which is responsible for a number of mass overdoses around the world. So some of these are designer drugs. And this is the thing, you, you know, you really do take your life into your own hands with um, these things. But hopefully with technology improving, pill testing kits become more available and potentially subsidised at these things. So people have the choice. They know what they're taking. Look, the, things like paint was found in some of these mm. drugs. And mm. there were, I think there were two people that actually ended up throwing out their, their tablets. So there was, Once they found out what was in them. Yeah, so <laughs> yep. the idea being that um, once you identify what kind of chemicals are in there, then uh, you can make the decision is it going to be a safer safer not safe necessarily but safer mm. for me to take these drugs mm. and that's up to them now the ones that had the harmful chemicals were disposed of that's those two mm. there were some others which people were considering disposing of we don't know the results yet we'll probably find out in the next few weeks mm. but uh, it's sort of it's blown up the public debate a little bit more i mean what we've heard and seen over the last however many years is we need a strong approach there's a war on drugs we need police to go and arrest people and that has worked i mean drug use has increased mm. we're seeing you know more drugs on the streets o- over the years mm. and so this is an alternate approach which is hopefully re- well, what i can see a responsible approach and so it just needs governments to really consider and look at this as a safe way to minimize harm if that's mm. what the laws are there to do it should be about minimizing harm obviously if they're not on the streets and can be taken away then that's going to be harm minimizer however that hasn't worked over the years so if there are alternate measures which is for example testing these pills i welcome this it's a good move a couple of other things just following up on our story we talked about gmail being hacked last week there's various scams unfortunately still out there one is text message scams these can often seem to be or an email saying something about a, a bill that you've got or that might be overdue or something like that be very careful because there are fake emails being sent out purporting to be from power utility companies yeah, and they're origin not. agl telstra yep. optus they yep. all come via an email even the banks yep. even you know text messages saying you know from supposedly from westpac saying oh it's tax time now you need to click on this link because we need to update your information for the ato that kind of thing yep. be very very wary about about uh, clicking on any links you find and also gmail notes if you want to you can actually back up your notes on an iphone to gmail using mm-hmm. that cloud service, mm-hmm. along with your calendar if you want to. Well, I noticed that uh, stuff that I'd put into a note that I'd written, completely separate to my email, mm-hmm. was in an email. And that's a weird bridge to have crossed, and I've never seen that before. So there seems to be something going on. It may have been the, fixed the, by now. They, look, they but, are integrating some of their services, but be well aware that um, anything that you put on one service in Google potentially has you know the opportunity to, to transfer across or shop in another service. If you book a flight mm. and you receive the uh, flight details to your Gmail inbox, mm. then uh, Google will automatically add those details into your Google Calendar. Yep. And it will actually tell you, this is the airport you're going to, this mm. is the time. Which is great, but Google knows that then that that's what you're doing. Exactly. And, and then can target advertising and stuff. And that also means that if you save sensitive information in what you consider to be a secure environment, maybe what you think in notes, for example, mm. uh, that could end up showing up in other locations. Mm. Now, it could be that you've put a date for a meeting in a note and potentially, I'm not saying it happens right now, but potentially they could up in Google Calendar, for example, mm, like mm, I mentioned there. Mm. But if you put in other sensitive information, whether it be a password or a credit card number or something like that, mm. uh, potentially that can end up in your Gmail. Mm. And if that happens and you get hacked via your Gmail, then obviously that's a major concern. It's mm. a you know, compromise of your data. And, then, and the way one way to avoid that is obviously having stronger passwords, but also putting in two-factor authentication, which yep. is a scrolling number which you access on your device. Yep, which gets texted to you after you've put your uh, password into your Gmail. Exactly. 
Thanks for listening. And head to beyondinfinity.com.au for the best bits from the live show or to connect with us on social media. We welcome your feedback and suggestion for future shows.